crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's the Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo! Hour number two, off and running on today's show. Welcome in. I don't care what the three hump camel says on the text line. <laughs> I love it when he and Fluffy Bottoms text because I like saying their name on the radio. Tony Gwynn is and was and is the best hitter of my lifetime and our generation. I don't think it was Pete Rose. And I'm going to make an argument as to why. I have to. What else are we going to do? <laughs> I'm just going to do that quickly before, in a minute, you get to go back and hear the earlier conversation with Chris Lamonis, the head baseball coach at Mississippi State. It was kind of abbreviated, but it still was good. And I know some people, because of weather and different things, didn't get to hear some of that earlier. In the show, so I want you to hear that earlier on the Divini Equipment phone line. I'm Madam in the Farm Bureau Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service at Farm Bureau. Three Hump Camel texted the show at 885 ESPN, 885 ESPN, or 885 And it says. Wyatt, speaking of smokeless tobacco, what are you smoking? <laughs> Tony had a great average, but his overall numbers don't even compare to Pete Rose. Okay. I'll make a quick point in a little bit. I do want to say, though, Three Hump Camel, I don't want to, uh, and I'm not at all accusing you of doing this. I want other people to, everybody, hear it. The smokeless tobacco thing is not a joke. It absolutely took over Tony Gwynn's life. You know, he was majorly, majorly addicted. It is the direct cause of his death at a very early age. He would have been 59 years old today. Today would have been his 59th birthday. Um, the story is Tony Gwynn an up-and-comer, obvious, like, star athlete. He was a two-sport star. He was a point guard, a basketball star in college, but also baseball. But he was basically recruited by the, uh, you know, smokeless tobacco company to kind of get him hooked on it so that he'd use it and they could market it to everybody else. But it took him over and eventually killed him. Sad story. But anyway, Tony Gwynn. I want to stay away from that smoke tobacco, too. Yeah, none of it's good for you. Although, I will tell you that guy, 
Uh, Roger, who I told you about, I watched the video. They filmed it when he was 109 years old back in 2016. He, at the time, he was 190, and he was the oldest living veteran of World War II. He lived to be 112 when he passed away last December. He said he smoked 12 cigars a day. He just didn't inhale any of them. Yeah. <laughs> he lied on give you, At least give you oral cancer. <laughs> He'd light them and puff on them. All right. Um, <clears throat> he was lucky in World War II and after then. Yeah. Here's the thing about Pete Rose versus Tony Gwynn. Pete Rose had a thousand more hits than Gwynn. Matt, Tony Gwynn's stats don't compare to Pete Rose. He had a thousand more hits than Tony Gwynn. Oh, he had a thousand more hits. His numbers don't even compare. Pete Rose also had almost 6,000 hits. More at bats <laughs> than Tony Gwynn at six thousand more at bats. What I you go and so the text look three hump camel look you may be a Pete Rose fan, but in the text you said Tony had a great average, but no no there's no but. When you have the best average, it means if Tony Gwynn had as many at-bats as Pete Rose did, his numbers are the ones that are incomparable. Okay? And that's basic math. Pete Rose had almost 6,000 more at-bats than Tony Gwynn did. So don't tell me that Pete Rose's numbers blow away Tony Gwynn because they do not. Pete Rose played in over a thousand more games than Tony Gwynn did. And like I told you earlier, Tony Gwynn could play could play a thousand more games and go hitless in all of them, and his career average still would not dip below 300. It still wouldn't dip below 300. What was Pete Rose's batting average, career batting average? This is barely over 300. Isn't that what it was? Career batting average barely over 300 for Pete Rose? Hey, I'm just saying. What was his career batting average? So what you're telling me is, if Tony Gwynn, if we could just add on to Tony Gwynn, just add on. Right now, deceased, can't even go in the, up there. But go ahead and just add on the same number of games played. Add on 1,000 more games to Tony Gwynn's career and have him go hitless in every single one of them. He's still going to have a better career batting average than Pete Rose. Let me give you another one. Raise your hand if you know how many times Pete Rose struck out. Yeah, he, play, he had a 5,000 5, more at-bats. He sure did. Tony Gwynn in his career struck out 434 times. Pete Rose struck out 1,146 times. And oh, 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 by the way, oh, by the way, you go, P. 
Pete Rose's numbers blow away Tony Gwynn. Bull crap. He had over 5,000 more at-bats, almost 6,000 more at-bats. Pete Rose hit 160 home runs in his career. Tony Gwynn hit 135. I mean, they're right there neck and neck in home runs and career home runs. For a guy in Tony Gwynn who had over 5,000 fewer at-bats. Don't give me this crap comparing Tony Gwynn to Pete Rose. Because the other thing about it is one of them's a good guy. Was. <laughs> and I know that that's not supposed to be part of the conversation. Tony Gwynn played in a more modern era. Heck, his last season in the major leagues was 2001 when people when, when everybody in Major League Baseball was throwing 93 miles an hour. Tony Gwynn was facing relievers like Rob Dibble throwing 99. The only one who ever threw that hard, I bet that Pete Rose faced, was who? Nolan Ryan. It was a different era. People don't want to hear it, but it was. It was a different era. Again, and, and any previous, any other player in Major League Baseball history who had an average similar to Tony Gwynn or better, all of them began their careers prior to 1940. He's the best hitter of my lifetime, and the numbers back it up. Greg Maddox, 107 plate appearances for Tony Gwynn against Greg Maddox. Faced him all the time in the National League. Greg Maddox, the Greg Maddox, Hall of Famer Greg Maddox, never a single time struck out Tony Gwynn. Other hitters in Major League Baseball batted 245 against Greg Maddox. Tony Gwynn hit 415 against him. Tony Gwynn had a better on-base plus slugging percentage against Greg Maddox than Barry Bonds did. You can't argue against Tony Gwynn. That's all there is. You just can't. And we had a caller say you forgot Rod Carew started in 67. Big time. Big time hitter. Big time. He's not Tony Gwynn, though. Hey, before I run out of time, as I promised, let's uh, let's check back in on that comment. I know earlier with storms coming through and all kinds of stuff, there was a lot of, a lot of people that uh, didn't get to hear um, a portion or all of the conversation on the Divinity phone with Chris Lamonis. Let's replay that and see if we've got time to get it in. I think we do. Uh, Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach, on the show earlier on the Divinity phone after last night's win over Memphis, a come from behind. And my first question for him was, hey, it, it, in the midweek when you win a game, it doesn't always have to be pretty as long as it's a win. Uh, you're right about that, but I wish they were smooth and pretty. So that's uh, <laughs> not, a, not a fun game to coach when you give up seven in the first. But um, – yeah, it was a good good win for our guys, and uh, we've we've done that all year. We've had a couple midweeks where we've fallen behind four nothing, four nothing, seven nothing, and uh, it's a resilient group, and they and they have a lot of confidence in their offense and our bullpen, and uh, just able to chip away and come back. And then yeah, it was nice to see Big Hit Mac get a get a good swing there. Yeah, Big Hit Mac is back, sort of thing. And you know, I saw where you know that was the the brief timeout 
where after he's on second base, he goes over to third base coach, hands him his, you know, protector and that kind of thing. But on the way, he just kind of let out this, this scream, this yell, and you know, kind of flexed, and it was almost like a release of any of the frustration he might have felt over the, you know, the last couple of weeks. It, can well, can well, something like that him. be a confidence builder for him? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I chewed him out because he should have had a triple. And he was so happy and celebrating, he stopped at second. I was like, hey, you could have been at third there. He goes, I know, Coach, but I was just so happy. You know, and it's, yeah. you know, on our stage, there's there's so much on top of these kids. You know, you're competing for a lot, playing for a lot. You're on national TV, and um, and you start going bad. And he had a tough little break there. But I, I really think he's, he spent a lot of time on his swing, and his swing is really good right now. And um, so he's, you know, been able to relax and come out of that and get some big hits is huge for him. And we've had almost every guy in our lineup fight that this year. It usually happens, but it's just not fun when it's your turn. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach, Mississippi State, on your radio. We got a few minutes with him here today, Coach. Uh, rough outing in the start last night for Keegan James against Memphis. So, with as as good a starts as you're getting from Small and then Ginn and then Plumley, looking ahead to postseason, uh, this is not a leading question. I'm I'm really, you know, wondering what you think. How important is or is not? that fourth starter when it comes down to the postseason? You know, it's, it's built for three starters. You know, the NCAA, you, you go four starters all year, and when you get to the postseason, it kind of goes to three unless you end up in that last game. But if you're ever in that last elimination game, it's it's uh, everybody's available, everybody. It's, it's usually not just a, hey, there's a starter sitting there and waiting. Um, so, and we got to do a good job. we got to get Keegan going. Keegan's very talented. Um, pitched some really good games for us earlier in the year. Just, you know, had a tough outing last night. Um, and we got a full bullpen of guys that could help us too. So we, um, we got a stretch here. You know, that'll be probably the last time you use the four starter, most likely. But we just need Keegan. You know, Keegan's been great out of our pen and doing some different things. So we just, we got, we need to get him going. Yeah. Looking ahead to this Ole Miss series in Oxford, we don't know whether it could play, you know, a role, whatever. We'll just have to see day to day. But but going in there, what's the message to your team? To play good baseball. And that's the one thing with uh, when you have a talented team like ours, and Ole Miss is very talented too. But when we show up and we play the game good, then we usually have success. And so uh, the focus is on us. Uh, we'll scout them. We'll do everything. We understand it's a huge rivalry. Um, but the message all week has been to have great practices, to sharpen our skills, and be ready to go. Because our, our group likes to compete. Um, and when we play good, man, it's it's we're a really good team. Is there a difference, um, maybe a a more kind of natural intensity the week of practice leading up to this because it is a rivalry, and especially for the kids who are from this state on your team? Well, I, I didn't feel it too much until after last night's game, and then it mm-hmm. was on to the next game, and it was Ole Miss, and it is. It, it means more to our kids. It means more to our coaches. It means more to our administration, and I know it means more to our fans. So, last night after the game, that was the buzz. Now it's time for Ole Miss, and um, the, the guys will be ready. And it does. I think it really does. It's it's uh, they play with a lot of the guys over there. They grow up in this state, um, and, and they have a lot of pride in our program. Sure, uh, Coach Lamonis on your radio right now. Uh, got one time, uh, one minute here or so for a listener question. And somebody sends in a question, wants to ask about Eric Sarantola. Hadn't seen him in a while, pitched a lot in the midweeks early in the year. Kind of what's his status right now on the staff? 
He's working and uh, trying to get in the mix. The hard part for us is most of it's weekends right now. You're 27 man roster, um, but we'd like to get him back in there. He's very talented. He just you know struggled with the strike zone, you know, for a couple starts there. So it's been a little tougher getting him back in. But uh, we were hoping last night, but we fell behind. We weren't able to you know find that spot. But uh, he's very talented and a big part of our future. Okay, Chris Lamonis on your radio right now, um, Coach Mangum. I dare say it. He, he's hitting eight straight. I think five of the last eight games for Jake. He's got multiple hits. He scored like eleven. He's touched the the plate eleven times. I think in these last eight. Um, you've been asked so many questions. We can't possibly ask you an original one. I just, you know, we continue to see him just find a way to elevate beyond what other guys can do. What's it like to watch that from the dugout each night? It's pretty amazing. I mean, it is a special, special college baseball player. Probably one of the best to ever play college baseball. And he, he did it last night, just two. I mean, you know, we fell behind. He was 0 for 2. And next thing you know, I think he had three hits there at the end of the game. And every one of them started a rally. And he just, uh, I, I always say it, like you said, I've, I've, we've interviewed so many times about Jake, but it's the bigger the moment, the, you know, the better the performance with him. And he just always seems to rise to it and get the big hit. And, you know, at, at Texas A&M last weekend, he made some unbelievable catches in the outfield. He just he does so many things to help your team. And even last night, people don't remember the ball in the dirt where he slid into second and had to replay. And <laughs> you know, he, he but it's a big play in the game. They walk the next guy, and then we hit the double. You know, yeah. and mm-hmm. if you don't make that play, then it's just tough. Yeah, great stuff, Coach. Really appreciate some time. Congrats on the midweek and looking ahead of the weekend. Thank you. All right, thanks, man. That's an earlier conversation with um, Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach, Mississippi State. What do you think about that? The series uh, scheduled in Oxford this weekend, obviously Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Ole Miss hosting State. Weather probably going to affect it. I mean, there's no way to say for sure because, you know, sometimes, sometimes you can play in the rain and um, sometimes you can't. Because there's lightning, and sometimes there's more rain than others. Sometimes the field drains, and sometimes it doesn't. So I I don't know how you would, you know, possibly predict um, what you're going to see. I just know that very very slim chance of them getting all three games in nine straight innings without any delays. Cross your fingers and hope. But weather probably going to play a factor somewhat. <clears throat> and it's big. You have both teams sitting there a couple games behind Arkansas in the SEC standings over in the West. Uh, and State and Ole Miss have the same conference record. State's RPI is better. They're kind of sitting in a position at State where they don't have to win this series on the road to you know, hold serve as a national seed. They just need to pick up one game and not get swept. But obviously they want to go win it. Ole Miss, they want to continue to play themselves into being a host in the postseason. They really need to win this series um, at Ole Miss. So there's different motivations either way if you're just looking at postseason. But generally the team's players, they don't look at it that way. It's each inning you're trying to win it, trying to win each game, trying to sweep every series. It's just kind of the way it is. So um, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. That conversation earlier with Chris Lamonis on the Divinity Equipment phone. On the text line, 
Three Hump Camel says, so if I play one game and bat a 1,000, I'm the greatest hitter. Because I was talking about percentages and stuff with Tony Gwynn. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you do what Tony Gwynn did, then you're the greatest hitter of our lifetime. That's what. That's my point. <laughs> so they, there's always going to be some subjectivity in here, right? Because not all things are equal. Again, here's here's here are the points that I make. People point to the hits total for Pete Rose. Well, I point to the fact that he had. If you want to just take the take the walks and and stuff out of it. Here comes the train. I want to take the walks and stuff out of it. Pete Rose had almost 5,000 more at-bats than Gwen did. Okay? If you take the walks out of it. Still, Gwen got a hit more often than Pete Rose did. He hit a home run way more frequently than Pete Rose did. Pete Rose struck out twice as much as Tony Gwynn did. Now, I'm not talking about totals. I'm talking about percentage. Once every 12 at-bats, a strikeout on average for Pete Rose. Once every 21 at-bats for Tony Gwynn, a strikeout. Yeah. Yeah. Power, average, Tony Gwynn's better. It's just my opinion. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Are y'all sick of me? What a big, what a big, are y'all sick of me talking about Tony Gwynn? Just be honest. Let me put it to you this way. It's almost impossible to hurt my feelings, really. So don't ever hesitate if if you're, if you're like Matt, you've gone on too far. Text me, call me, you can call me on the Divinity Equipment phone, you can text uh, the text line, 885-ESPN or 885-3776, either one. <clears throat> Feel free if, you, if you're tired of it. Lots of good stuff, though, from Three Hump Camel, Fluffy Bottoms, Miko, Joel, everybody on the text line. Joel said, did you ever hear about Tony Gwynn's batting practice pregame? He'd take a tee and sit on home plate, sit it on home plate and start working the entire field. Kind of wanted to burn it into that muscle memory where the gaps were, right? Fluffy Bottoms says, The postseason stats count. The Big Red Machine was in the playoffs every year. Don Mattingly, he says, uh, Don Mattingly will always be my favorite hitter. A 308 lifetime, which is really, really good. And he once hit a home run in eight straight games. He also has the record for six grand slams in a season and the best Yankee to never go to World Series. Yep. Did they let Don Mattingly wear a mustache when he was playing for the Yankees? I don't think they did, did they? 
Don Mattingly, read up on Don Mattingly. You talk about like born an elite athlete, could do anything and everything, won at everything he ever did. I think he, I think Don Mattingly is the one I read about was an amazing high school quarterback in football. And Miko sent this to me. Yeah, this is a great quote. Maddox, Greg Maddox, one of the greatest of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. Nolan Ryan's the best pitcher of our lifetime, but right after him is Greg Maddox. Maddox once said, this is Miko's text, Maddox once said about changing speeds, when facing a batter, sometimes hitters can pick up differences in spin. They can identify pitches if there are different release points or if a curveball starts with an upward hump as it leaves the pitcher's hand. But if a pitcher can change speeds, every hitter is helpless, limited by human vision. This is Greg Maddox dot, dot, dot except for that blank Tony Gwynn. <laughs> he said he's the only one who wasn't helpless against changing speeds. The The stuff that he, I mean, no matter how you slice it, there are things that you, you read about Tony Gwynn that you're like, wait a minute, it doesn't even make sense he was so good. It doesn't even make sense. He, how about this? Pedro Martinez nor Greg Maddox ever struck out Tony Gwynn. And Gwynn faced Maddox 107 times and batted 415 off of him. <laughs> yeah. Tony Gwynn, he never hit 400 in a season, but he batted 394 during the strike shortened 94 season. Yep, he sure did. How about this? With two strikes in the count, two strike counts, Gwen batted 302. <laughs> Major League Baseball, two strike counts, he batted 302. Now, that stat has only been measured since 1988, and his career actually began before that. But they began measuring this in 88, and since then, Tony Gwen's marked the best. Number two on the list is Wade Boggs with two strikes, batted 260. 260. Gwen batted 302 with, with those. <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible. And, and the idiots who didn't put him on the 1988 All-Star team, it's just how, I mean, idiotic. From 1984 to 19. 1999, there was only one year that Tony Gwynn was not an all-star. It was 1988. And guess what happened that year in 1988? You know what he did? He won the National League batting title, batted 313. They didn't put him on the all-star team. Idiots. Idiotic. <laughs> so, yeah, I got no personal anything in this deal, but I'm just telling you the numbers. I'm a Braves guy. He killed Greg Maddox in his career. He faced Tom Glavin 105 times. 105 times. Glavin struck him out two times. He batted 303 against Glavin. Glavin had some success because he was a lefty. John Smoltz could not get him out. John Smoltz 
faced Tony Gwynn 75 times. Tony Gwynn destroyed him. Batted 444. John Smoltz, 16th all-time in strikeouts. Over 3,000 strikeouts in his career. He faced Tony Gwynn 75 times and struck him out once. Once! All right, you're sick of it now, aren't you? So, yeah, see, he goes. It's raining. We're talking baseball. <laughs> Man, it's a sports talk uh, listener's nightmare in the SEC. <laughs> and look, I know, I'm sorry. And look, and somebody on the text line just texted in and said, Okay, yes, you are officially doing the bow bounds. Is that what going? What is? Why are they saying that? Are they saying bow goes on about the same thing over and over. It's so because I'm I have I've gone way too far on this. All right, so I'm moving on. Two quick things, and now you're back, Roger, because I want you to hear this. Two things. Okay. One, a tweet this morning at five fifty-seven a.m. Break from WLBT in Jackson. Breaking news. School bus full of kids stuck in a giant pothole in Jackson. (laughs) And look, there's pictures, right? Remember the texter the other day said they ought to stock fish in that one over uh, (laughs) down by Beattie Street Grocery. Look, there's pictures of it. And the first. Maybe the same one. It's huge. The first comment under this tweet with the pictures of the school bus stuck in the pothole. The first, the first comment says, hey, city of Jackson, y'all got a whole school bus in a pothole. A whole school bus. <laughs> and, then it, and then it says, hashtag potholes matter. Uh, I tell you, I, I, dro- I drove by that one, and I, I think I heard Chinese music. <laughs> <laughs> it just went all the way to the other side is what That's you're saying. That's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the other thing. Curious sounds, the bamboo flute coming out of it. Here's the other thing. Um, The final episode of this show aired on this day. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party. Who is your friend? My favorite, I would say it's probably everybody's favorite. Um, and that was, uh, oh gosh, well, I'm drawing a. Are you, not talk, are you talking about the tall lady? I like B. Arthur because well, yeah. she, she was in other things like Maud and all that. Yeah, B. Arthur. So she played uh, Dorothy. But, yeah, but, Getty. Yeah, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank on. Um, are you talking about the really, really old lady? Yeah, but she was the, actually in real life the Betty? youngest. Yeah, Betty? but Estelle Getty. But the name no, I'm of talking her, about Betty White. Okay, oh, Betty you're talking White. About yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember though. I can't remember the name of uh, the character uh, Ma. You know, uh, B. Arthur's who, mom and the. Oh, that was your favorite. The really yeah. The, the, yeah. Okay. She was the. She had all the one-liners. You're right. Yeah, she was the youngest and made the look. Uh-huh. Yeah. But now I'm drawing a blank on the name of her character. She was Dorothy's mom. Sophia. That's it. Yes. Sophia. And did you get that yourself? I did come up with it myself. Excellent. <laughs> Took me long enough. 
Yeah, so clean living. All right, let's talk with Steve Robertson about baseball and recruiting coming up next. Stick around. Steve Robertson coming up. We'll chat a little baseball with Steve and uh, recruiting. Excuse me, mainly a football recruiting angle with him because when I woke up this morning, Twitter told me that there had been some decommitments. First of all, that ain't a word. I know I'm using ain't. It's just for effect. Decommitment is not in the dictionary. It's not a word. We came up with it in recruiting. Somebody did. It's like an oxymoron because, like, what decommitment stands for is technically, like, exactly the opposite of commitment. <laughs> well, it, it even goes farther than that. It can't, it can't even originally have been a, by definition, commitment if you can de commit the commitment does that make any sense (laughs) oh it's just old me it's 42 year old me and my old soul self trying to keep up with modern times that's all that is that's all that is baseball win last night for state in the midweek heard from chris lamonis earlier on the show earlier in the week heard from mike bianco those teams will square off in Oxford, and we'll see how much and when and how um, the weather will allow that to happen. Let's talk about all of it now. On the Divinity Equipment phone line with Steve Robertson. On Twitter, he is Scout Steve R. He's with 24-7 Sports and Jeans Page. Steve, doesn't matter how you get a midweek win over Memphis, as long as you get one. They pulled it out last night, 10-9. to Big Hit Mac is back, I guess. What do you think? Well, I'm actually sitting here in the Omaha room right now. Just got done visiting with Coach Foxhall and uh, and Dustin Skelton. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the way that game kind of unfolded really kind of gave them kind of a weird sense of confidence. And just talking to Dustin Skelton, he goes, you know, he said, we're never out of the ball game. He goes, you know, he said, I've been on some teams in the past. You get down 7 nothing, you get up a 7 spot in the first inning, and you think, okay, it's, let's just try to manage the game and get out of here. And he said they took it more as a challenge. It's like, you know what? We're going to come back and win this ball game. He said their belief never wavered. Marshall Gilbert hits that three-run home run, makes it seven-four ball game. At that point, they knew even though they trailed, they were going to win the ball game. And I think when you think about this weekend, what's at stake this weekend? I think getting a big team-building win like that is exactly what the doctor ordered. Steve, what is at stake this weekend, in your opinion? Well, I think you know you want to finish in the top four in the SEC. Uh, for sure. I think, number one, just the optics on that before the NCAA Tournament uh, Selection Committee is huge. But also, too, you want to avoid having to play on the first day at Hoover. And so, you know, State, Ole Miss, while I think, you know, State's had the better season, they have identical 15-9 and SEC records. And so, listen, this Ole Miss team's very, very resilient. And I, I read some of these comments sometimes about that team, and and I think it's a little misguided. I mean, it's one of those things where this team is especially talented. Yes, they've been inconsistent. But they're going to be loaded for Bayer this weekend. They're, they're going to expect Mississippi State's best challenge. I think it's going to be an unbelievably great series, and I think it's probably go down to the final in, inning. 
Steve Robertson on your radio right now. Um, so not to give anything away, you're chatting a little bit with uh, Dustin Skelton. Um, you know, we see some others that are, you know, have really injected a lot uh, into this year's team if you want to compare it to last year's team. But, Steve, do you think that Skelton is the most improved in that lineup from last year to this? I think among the position players, he absolutely is. And, uh, you know, one of the things, and I was just talking to Greg Campbell about that, is he always had power to the right field, but he could never really push it out because his point of contact was off. And I remember speaking to Jay Gotro early in the year because, you know, if we can get him to get his mechanics a little more sharp and get him to get his foot down earlier, he'll start pulling the baseball and start hitting some home runs. So that's exactly what's happened. Uh, and, I, yeah, I think defensively there were times last year, and I questioned him about that. I said, you know, there were times even last year you would stab at a ball rather than get your body in front. I said, but Ethan Small tells me that he has so much more confidence that he can bury a curveball knowing you're going to block it up. And, and that means the world to a guy like him because he is uh, probably as big a fan of this Mississippi State team as anybody else is. It's Dustin Skelton I'm talking about. He believes this team is capable of doing some huge things this year. and He's happy to do his part, and I don't think there's any question where his game is now compared to where it was last year is not even comparable. Yeah. Steve Robertson on your radio right now. It's pretty cool. Steve's on your radio talking to you from inside the baseball facility at Mississippi State. How about that? It's called the Omaha Room. Pretty neat. Um, <clears throat> Steve, though, although you're there, I do want to ask you about football. What's up with the decommitments? I saw on Twitter when I woke up this morning a couple of kids on State's list have changed their mind. What can you tell us? Well, the first thing that I want to say, Matt, is that you're going to have to respect my decision. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet out no interviews later, but I'll grant this interview now. No, uh, listen, it's just, it's just all part of the circus, man. I mean, it, it's, uh, I tweeted out earlier, just kind of, yeah, you know, there's nothing like Mississippi State and, and Ole Miss football recruiting. And there's just not. I mean, there's always some behind the scenes subplot to everything. It's never as simple as we like this school over the other one. There's, there's just always something going on. Uh, and, and here's the deal, and it's one thing so that I think we can all agree. No matter what happens to where these guys sign, and listen, we want all those guys to be successful. I, I think everybody in the state of Mississippi, save a few, you know, knuckleheads, we want all these kids to get a college degree, be able to take care of their families, have a good career, be healthy. I don't think anybody wishes ill will on any of these kids. But I would rather find out now that I can't trust somebody than when it's fourth and goal at the one in Tuscaloosa, if you know what I'm saying. And there's just part of this process. There's always going to be a circus-type atmosphere to things just because of the fact there are people that get involved sometimes that, uh, you know, they're trying to push a, a kid to their school or, or one thing or another, and it's not just a one-sided thing. There's just It's just part of the subplot to Mississippi college football recruiting. That's just the reality of things. I think as a state, we probably lead in decommitments per capita over anybody in the country. Yeah. The players on State's list that did the whole air quotes here, decommitment thing, um, who who were they? What kind of players are they? Oh, uh, LaDietra Griffin, they called him Tulu, and he's a wide receiver out of Philadelphia. Really liked him a lot. I would compare him in many respects to a guy like Jamal Graham from a skill set standpoint. Very, very explosive player, probably a slot receiver. A guy that can make you miss and a guy that can run by you. You know, not the biggest guy. He's had some injury problems, but I believe that he's a guy that will be a difference maker on the next level. I, I, 
he's a little bit like Jamion Lewis with a little bit better foot speed. Uh, really like him. And so he's a receiver. And that's one thing that when you look at this, you know, State's lost some decommitments this year, and they've all been at receiver, which is the position of need. And you hope that Michael Johnson being here, a guy that's a prolific recruiter, will, will get some of those guys back in the boat or you get comfortable players. And same thing with Alex Adams. You know, Alex Adams is listed as a safety. We like him more as a receiver. Hmm. He's a straight-line runner guy. He's a 10-700 guy. He's, I mean, he's, he's unbelievably straight-line fast. Doesn't have the, you know, the vertical change of direction just yet. But, uh, you know, a guy that's got a high ceiling. So that's really the stinging part of this is you hate to lose an in-state guy, uh, but you also hate to lose guys at a position of need. And, and this will be a Mississippi State Ole Miss thing all the way down to the end. I don't think there's any question. It's, you know, it's like a boxing match. Somebody gets momentum and then somebody hits you with a, you know, with an uppercut. And next thing you know, you're on the ropes. And it's just part of the deal. And I think it's kind of one of those, Kind of it's welcome to the SEC, but also welcome to Mississippi college football recruiting moments for some guys on the staff because it's just a different animal. And even talking to people within our industry, Matt, they'll tell you, I don't know how you guys deal with all that drama in Mississippi. And so it's something that's, I won't say that it's unique to Mississippi, but it's something that other people kind of notice that there's always drama when it comes to recruiting in Mississippi. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I sometimes I wonder if I'm just old and a simpleton, which I'm accused of, you know, in an all shucks, because I, you know, I don't really understand the whole rush to make a decision, and a, and again, in air quotes here, commitment when you don't have to. If there's a chance, you may change your mind. That's something I don't really get. But hey, like I say, I'm I'm old and bald now, so maybe nobody cares whether I get it or not. You know what I mean, Steve? The one thing I'll tell you about that is a lot of guys when. A lot of time when guys commit early, they lose their height. And so what I mean by that is, you know, when, when they're getting all these offers and everybody's calling them and interviewing them and there's all these all-star games and there's all this press and publicity, and then you commit and then it's kind of like the bloom is off the rose a little bit and people kind of forget about you. They kind of take you for granted. And, of course, the coaching staff is still in contact. But, you know, all of a sudden they see their friends, you know, on Instagram and Twitter and they – they got to go meet Nick Saban, or they got to go eat, eat crawfish in Baton Rouge. And all of a sudden, well, I didn't get to do any of that stuff, and it's only May. I've got seven months. Mm. And so a lot of times guys open it back up to enjoy the experience. And that might be the case with one or two of these guys, and it might not be. But the bottom line is this is a process that most kids are only going to go through once, and those are the lucky ones. And so I don't begrudge any of those guys taking their time to make a decision. But when you make a decision early, you need to make sure you understand what that entails and stick with it. But uh, I would encourage guys not to make early decisions until they know exactly what they want to do. But a lot of those guys, they get one or two offers early, and they think, you know what, this is a great opportunity, not too far from home. Let me jump on this. The next thing you have to get a dozen offers. So yeah, things change. I got you. Well, Steve, I'm going to wrap it up and go eat lunch, and I hope you'll respect my decision. No, no, no interviews. Nope. Thanks. <laughs> Dad, come right. We'll see you, buddy. <laughs> All right, see you, man. Steve Robertson. <clears throat> That'll wrap it up. Went by quick. See y'all tomorrow. See ya. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show.